We're going to call our pastor to the platform now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Love the Lord. I love the Lord tonight. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, as you know, uh, we really need to hold up our elders in prayer. Amen. I appreciate Sister Tyler calling them out before the Lord. Um, but we really need to pray for divine healing. Amen. Um, the devil is trying to attack uh, our elders and, and, and their body, and we just need to hold them up before the Lord in prayer. Um, we haven't seen it yet, but I believe it's going to happen in Jesus' name. I believe it in Jesus' name. Uh, I've got a friend in Myrtle Beach that just relocated from here, and he witnessed to a lady down there named Bonnie, Miss Bonnie. Miss Bonnie needs healing. She's got cancer. And so in our prayer, I want you to remember Miss Bonnie, that God would heal her of cancer. And um, the devil is angry. Um, I, I can't stress enough that when, uh, when your pastor stands here and proclaims that the church needs to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. That I'm not proclaiming, be prepared just to be proclaiming, be prepared. The devil is running rampage in people's lives and there are great people just like you that are falling to the wayside and succumbing to sin. People that you would have never thought, but they're falling and coming into sin. And, um, you know, it's this very lesson that we're talking about here today is what keeps us from falling into sin. Being a disciple of Christ Jesus, like Paul was, right? Humbling ourselves, bringing ourselves under subjection to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen. And so, you know, um, I want to be a disciple of the Lord. Amen. Just, just uh, if you would, uh, I'm going to read Ephesians 3, verse 14, to bring us under into where we're going tonight to finish up this lesson by the grace of God. Um, the Bible says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you know we're talking about uh, growing as a disciple right and being a disciple I'm setting my timer I want to I want to be a good disciple I want to be a, a sold-out disciple okay it's easy to become it's easy to say I'm a disciple but it, there's a cost to being a disciple and a lot of times we don't want to pay the cost I mean obviously it's Wednesday night and there's quite a few people that could be here that are not here. There's going to be a day that the doors may not ever be reopened and they're going to be banging on the door just like it was in the days of Noah saying, let me in. Let me in to where the truth is being preached and the door is going to be locked because God has already set things in motion for the return for his people. 
but the position of maturing disciples. That's what we're talking about in this next set of lesson uh, under being a disciple of Christ. See, Paul says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Kneeling, what does kneeling do? Kneeling symbolizes what? Humility. Paul prayed and lived humbly. This great man who had accomplished so much in God's kingdom still was humble in heart. Listen, we can do great things in the kingdom of God, but we cannot let those great things go to our head. Because the reason we do great things is because he's allowed us to do great things. Right? Some of you are better teachers than I am. I mean that, and I say that with much respect and, and gratitude because I... I'm not a great teacher, but what I know is that he is a, he, if we ever get to the place that we go, I'm a way better teacher than Bishop or Brother Johnson and uh, uh, Sister Colleen, um, I'm a much better, you know what I mean, I, I can teach better than them, right? Then we get out of God's blessing and his anointing on our lives. We've not, we're no longer humble, amen. And Paul, Paul was humble. He, he was saying it's important that I stay humble. You see, this, this great man who had accomplished so much in God's kingdom still was humble, even though he taught us just two verses before that we can approach God with boldness and access with confidence. He now reminds us that we still need to be humble, even though we can go boldly before God. Right? And so, uh, as... As a maturing disciple, we should have humility. We should be humble in our prayers and in all our in our lifestyle. We are to never be arrogant or proud, but rather meek and humble. Proverbs twenty two four says, "By humility and fear, by humility and the fear of the Lord, are riches and honor and life." In Micah. 6 8 it says he hath showed thee O man what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do what justly and to love mercy and to walk with who with God to walk humbly with thy God James 4 10 says humble yourselves in the sight of others what scripture say humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up so if I'm gonna humble myself in the sight of the Lord that's always when I'm in front of you I'm still in the sight of the Lord right so so I should always come before everyone humbly because he's always seeing amen so if I come to you arrogantly and and not humbly I'm not hiding nothing from him. And so we must be mindful of how we come before, our, uh, before people, before our, in our leadership or in our walk with God. We must humble ourselves so that we can, God will lift us up if we will humble ourselves. I was giving someone some advice a little, a little while ago. You know, there's some things going on. And the devil is angry. I'm telling you, church, any one of us, any one of us from here that way, 
could fall into sin. Right? But if I'm called to the carpet, then I must humble myself and not be arrogant. Right? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right? If you're wrong, you're wrong. So you need to come humbly and make it right. Don't get puffed up. That's definitely not the time for me to become arrogant and try to defend myself arrogantly. But the devil is running rampage in people's lives and in this, in this world and in the church. People that we've, we've seen many of folks, great folks, we work alongside them. They've taught with us. They've, they've worked in the outreach with us. They've taught Sunday school with us. They've preached, carried licenses, and now they're, they let the devil come in and it's destroyed them. I don't know how much Facebook you see, but it's plastered all over Facebook now. Not sure why we use Facebook to put our dirty stuff out there, but we certainly want everybody to know, right? But the maturing disciple of Christ is not boastful. He's not demanding or she's not demanding. She's not arrogant or he's not arrogant or forceful. Rather, he or she is humble. I believe we ought to express our humility more often, though, uh, through the act of kneeling. Amen. It is a shame that kneeling has been, been removed from public worship. The physical act of kneeling, however, is not a requirement of prayer. Just, I'm not, so don't think your pastor saying that if you're going to pray, you got to kneel. There's no scripture that backs that up. Right? Kneeling is a reverend. When you lower yourself, when you lower yourself, right? When you get down lower than the, the person that you're speaking to, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who deserves all honor, all glory, all respect for dying for me, who I, I he, uh, I would not have died for, my, for me. Just saying. But he died for me. And so reverence, I, 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 there, I'll walk up and down here and pray, but in my private time, I'm on my knees. I'm reverencing the Lord. You know, I'm, and the knees are getting to the place where they hurt a little bit, so I'm finding my Crocs fit pretty good underneath my knees and kind of give me some knee cushion underneath my knees so that I can stay on my knees. Right, I, right now, until I can't stand it anymore, I want to reverence God. I want to honor him in the right kneeling way of lowering myself so that he knows that, God, I honor you. I, I want to reverence you, Lord God, for you are a great God. You are a mighty God. And we know that the scripture here says that he humbled himself. Paul humbled himself in kneeling, right? I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying, okay? And the physical act of kneeling, however, is not a requirement of prayer, but example, because, and this is why I'm going to say this, because Abraham stood to pray in Genesis 18.22. Solomon stood to pray in 1 Kings 8.22. David sat to pray in 1 Chronicles 7.16. Jesus fell on his face in Matthew 26.39. So it is the humble attitude of our hearts that is most important. My heart must be humble when I approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? My heart must be. Kneeling also symbolizes a, re a reverence. 
Paul had a deep reverence for God. Paul, with his reverence, he approaches God boldly and with confidence. He never lost sight of the fact that God is God. And God don't change. We change, but God don't change. We try to change his word to fit us, but God don't change. People want to make him change so that we feel good. But God don't change. We must always have a deep reverence for God. We must always have a deep reverence for him. We, when we pray and as we live before the Lord Jesus, we must always remember he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, period. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. There is no one greater than him. There's no one that has more power than him. And when you speak it, you as a disciple can speak healing through the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of God in us. Amen. And, 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 and so what I'm, what I'm trying to do, the, the position of maturing disciples is that of a servant as he kneels before his Lord. It is that of humility and reverence. I want to reverence the Lord with humility. I don't ever want to become arrogant. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to act like there could never be any sin in my life and that I'm always perfect. I want to reverence him. I, I constantly, I, well, I've said it many a times. I ask God to forgive me all the time because I'm, my, I got a scripture stuck in my head where he says, my ways are, are not what? And your ways are what? Not his ways. So I don't want to assume that my carnal stinking thinking sometimes is right. So I go, God, it could be wrong, it could be right, but Lord, forgive me. If there be any sin in my life, Lord, let it, please forgive me. And reveal to me what is sin and what's not sin that I do and how I act and what I say and how I carry myself. Because I want to, if it's sin, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to repeat the sin, right? So I'm constantly, I'm asking because I want to make it to heaven. I don't know, I, I, just, I do not want to be left here with everybody else banging on the door going, hey, let me in. I didn't want to be left here. I, I thought I did everything right. I don't want to be left here. You know, I, I sat next to, very ironic, very man that preached at Winter Fire I was with in Indianapolis yesterday. And I come in and, I, and we sit right beside each other. And he preached the message. Asked. Um, the title was Pray That the Bridegroom Not Come Yet. And if you remember, I had to repent in that service because I had been praying, God, come, I'm ready. Right? right? This world can't get any uglier. This world can't be full, any more full of sin than what it already is. How much more sin do you want to let it happen? If you're not, you know, come on. Let's, let's just take what we got and be happy. Right? He preached that word. Man, the word got a hold of me and convicted my spirit. I went to the altar. I repented. Why? Because, yeah, I still have family that's lost. And at that point, I was saying, well, I can't do nothing about it. They got to wake up. They got to get to a place where they know Jesus is coming. But if I don't pray, God, hold up. 
You know, God's people can pray. When he makes his mind up, he's going to come. But if we pray, God, hold up. We still have some brides for you. We still have some that's got to come in. We still have some that need to be saved. We still have some that have walked away from you that need to be saved. God, the devil has brought havoc, wreaked havoc over all their lives, and they don't even see blessings anymore. They don't even see it. They think they just ha it just happened, that they did it. And it wasn't given because of someone that is related to them that's still serving God. And the blessings flow from the one that's still serving God flows down to them. They don't get it. I never got it, I'll be honest with you. You know why God kept me from not dying? Because of this man right here, how he served the Lord in that, right? He was serving God. He stayed faithful even when his sons and daughter were not serving God. He stayed faithful teaching Bible studies. And, and, and the blessings, the only reason the car, when the car flipped over and Alan didn't die and Tammy didn't die and Sissy didn't die is because of their faithfulness to God. You know why Alan's reels his brains not burn up because of drugs? Because of the faithfulness of his father and his mother. That's the only reason that I'm still alive today. Because there was blessings that may have not been financially or may have not been wealthy, but they were protecting someone like me. Your children are covered by the covering of your blessings that you do because of your faithfulness to the kingdom of God and your husband's faithfulness to the kingdom of God. Hear me. Those blessings pour out, Sister Maddie, Dave, and Sister Pat. Hear me. Those blessings are being poured out to your children right now, all because you serve God now and being faithful to God now. So the, the, the position of a maturing disciple is that of a servant as he kneels before the Lord. I want to talk to you about the power of faithful discipleship. Verse 20. Verse 20 says, they might throw it up for me before I get it up here. But now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Thank you for throwing that up there. Here's, excuse me, one of the benefits that, that comes from faithfulness to the Lord is a tremendous reservoir of power and anointing from the Holy Spirit of God. Paul refers to it in verse 20, and, uh, and we'll read it. I'm going to read uh, verse 16, okay? Here's what 16 says, and, and the reason is I'm going to pull some things out of this. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might and by his spirit in the inner man. Verse 20, we'll read that one again. And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Watch this. Paul refers to it as also in his prayer in verse 16. But here's what he says. He prays that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Listen to the word. The word power in verse 20. And for might, in verse 16, the Greek word is dunamis. Dunamis, from which we get dynamite. You have power. 
We carry power with us when we pray. We carry power when we're humble. We carry power when we're right in line with God. When we're faithful. When we're faithful. That's why hit and miss children of God don't get it. They don't get it. They come one Sunday and then they miss two Sundays. They come one Sunday and they miss three Sundays. They don't get it because there's no faithfulness there. You can't have no root when you only come once in a great while. Throw a seed out there. Find out what happens to that seed. It can't get root. It can't get root if you don't take care of it every week. You got to water it. You got to fertilize it. You got to rough up the soil. Right? That's how it grows. Same way with a child of God. It's got to be roughed up sometimes so that the seed can take plant inside them and they can grow so that they can mature into the disciples they need to be. It means miraculous power, abundance power, eruptive, explosive, active, effective power or energy. See, the Christian has a resource of power within them if they connect to the Lord and if they're faithful to the Lord. The power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know why we encourage people to worship in the kingdom of God and in the houses? Because it brings the power of the Holy Ghost in the sanctuary. Collective worship. I can worship outside. I can worship with a set of headphones and start feeling the presence of God. But that's because I've, I've built a relationship with God. Not everybody walks out and puts a set of headphones on and listens to worship and, begin, and can speak in tongues. I couldn't at one time. It takes a relationship. It means you pray. You pray. You can pray in English. You can pray in the Holy Ghost. When you know you're mature and you start praying in the Holy Ghost. Because the devil can't, don't know what you're saying when you say it, when you're speaking in the Holy Ghost, in the unknown language that only Heavenly Father can give you. That's where you do most of your warring. That's where you do most of your battle. That's when most of the seed is not wasted. Because my seed that I speak Englishly in English can be thrown on different types of ground. But when I come into the spirit of the presence of God and the Holy Ghost and start speaking in tongues, the devil can't, he can't fool with the soil anymore. Because it's being done in the spirit realm. It's you and the Lord. He knows what you're saying. I don't know what I'm saying, but I know it becomes interceding. I know it becomes effective. And that is imperative that we pray like that. If the Spirit is not resident in your life, then you're lost. Nobody wants to say that. It's biblical. The Bible says in Acts 2.38, Peter said unto them what, it, what they need to do to be saved. They need to repent and be baptized, every one of them. When he, you know why he said every one of you? Because he wanted to make sure it kept covering everyone. He would have said, then Peter said unto them, you need to repent. And then we could have said, well, he was only talking to that one man. But when he said every one of you, that every one took precedence of everybody that reads it or comes in contact with the scripture. Amen. You can't run from everyone. You can't run from the everyone. When God said everyone, he cast it out there. Everyone. Right? Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is a promise. 
That was prophesied out of Isaiah. Go ahead, Bishop. Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the refreshing. If the Spirit is not resident in your life, we need the Holy Ghost. Romans 8 9 says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, this is God's Word, okay? I'm just reading what the Scripture says. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Is that 8 9? If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, Read that. You all read that. That's God's word. That's not pastor's word. He said, he is none of his. Every child of God has the same resource of power available to them. Paul took Paul on three missionary. Look, him having it, it took him on three missionary journeys around the world. Two, it gave Paul the ability to heal the sick and give sight to the blind. Three, it gave Paul the authority to cast out demons. Number four, it gave it it, 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 it healed him from a snake bite. Five, it gave him the ability to sing praises while he had been beaten and thrown into prison. If you have the Holy Ghost, you can make it through almost anything. I'm not saying, and why I said almost, because there's going to be a time you're going to be tested. And you're going to have to rely on the Holy Ghost. Your, your faith is going to be tested. Your walk has, is going to be tested. The devil's going to say, you've done this for 35 years, mother. Or how long have you been serving God, mother? 35, 40? 50? Okay, so at least 40, we'll say at least 40 years, Bishop. How many? 55 years? What do you got? 55? 651, 61, 62 years. Thank you. You know, <laughs> y'all got to pray for your pastor's ears. That's another thing y'all ought to be praying for your pastor, that he don't have to wear hearing aids. He could be healed in Jesus' name. If God, if God took and opened the blinded eyes and healed the deaf ears, he can heal my deaf ears. Uh, amen. And bishops too. So, um, so he was beaten and, and thrown into the prison, but yet he still sang praises. Number six, he preached to the inhabitants of, on Mar, of Mars Hill. Number seven, God, uh, gave, God gave through the Holy Ghost Paul the ability to be stoned and beaten, ridiculed, yet to keep on going. Number eight, he gave Paul the ability to establish churches all over Asia Minor and Europe. That same power is resident and available to every disciple and child of God that it walks here today. Amen. That has a relationship with him that is faithful. Everybody says, I've got a relationship. But God, Paul said he's looking for somebody faithful. 
You're looking for somebody that's committed, right? When the rough gets tough and tough gets going, however all those sayings are, right? Uh, I, I said it a little wrong, but whatever it is, you know, you still got to stay in the game. Right? You still got to stay in the race. You might have twisted an ankle, but if you got to hobble long to win, you just keep hobbling. Amen. You might go in lame, but you're going to go in. Amen. You don't just quit because something bad, tragic happens. You keep walking with Jesus. You keep following after him. But that same power is resident in us today. If we're, if we're filled with the Holy Ghost and walking in Jesus, the reason we see so little of it in action today is because so few are willing to appropriate this power and be faithful to it and use it. I think somebody said something to me. I'm gonna get, I got to get clarity for what they were talking about. Like, I'm not using them where they're gifted at. You know, first of all, your gift. God shows me the gift. And the gift, God makes room for that gift. You don't come tell your pastor. Right? You get confused. There's no humility. That's no humility. That's like giving somebody the gift of healing, and then all of a sudden they become, they become God. You sick? Come here. Uh, let me lay hands on you. You're going to be healed. I'm the healer. No. You're not the I'm not the healer. Let me say, I'm not. I'm not the healer. There's only one healer, and his name is Jesus. He has the ability to heal, and he has the ability to restore. He has the ability to say, no, I'm not healing him. He has all the authority, all the power. I'm just a vessel and an instrument that walks around trying. If he's given me the gift of healing, I want you to be healed. Amen. If he's given me the ability by faith, I want to see you healed. I don't know if I got it. I'm glad I don't know because it keeps me right. Here's what Dwight, Dwight L. Moody said. He heard a preacher once say, the world is yet to see what God can do with a man or a woman who is absolutely surrendered him to him. Moody said, I want to be that man. And he literally shook two continents for Christ. Dear disciple, you have more power within you than it is found in an atomic bomb. You have more power if we're in the right position, if we're in the right place with God. As a disciple, it is the power of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus in us. Amen. If you want your life to get exciting, just begin to surrender to the Lord. And more and more, the Holy Ghost will operate in you. What is surrendering? Getting up every Sunday morning and coming to church. Not at uh, 11.05. We start prayer at 10. So we show up at 9.50. Because prayer starts at 10. 9.50 gives you time to high-five everybody. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Got to get the prayer because I'm here to see God move, right? You can do all the chatting all you want after service, but you come in because you got to have a made-up mind. I'm coming with a made-up mind. I want to see, see these sisters healed. I want to see this brother healed. I, I come because I want to see the healer in the house. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to sacrifice. 
Please understand that the Holy Ghost power must be present before it becomes effective. I'll say that again. The Holy Ghost must be present for it to be effective. Can't stay out of the church and it be effective. I'm just going to tell you, the, the, the body says forsake not, or the Bible, excuse me, the Bible says forsake not the assembling of ourselves. If it was okay to not come to church, he would never have put that in there. I'm just saying, we find all kinds of excuses. Well, my, my husband doesn't do right, you know, he, he don't want to be in church, so, you know, I just lay in bed with him on Sunday morning. But you got two children or four children sitting there, lost, dying, going to hell, don't know nothing about Jesus. And one of you say, well, if he won't go, I'll go. But then you wake up Sunday morning and say, well, he ain't going, I ain't going. Or she ain't getting up, I ain't going to go. I'm sorry that vernacular is not pop, uh, proper vernacular English literature, but let me tell you. You got to get to the place where you just say, you know what? If you ain't coming to church, if you're not coming to church, me and my children are going to church. I want my children, if I don't get saved and they, and you don't get saved, I want them to be saved because I already know what hell is. I am not supposed to be preaching. And I'll tell you something else. You must light the fuse of dynamite and use it before it will explode. Right, you can have a stick of dynamite all you want. One of my cousins, by marriage, took a fire, took a bunch of firecrackers, took a rubber band, wrapped them together, and he lit them. And he thought he and he was trying to play chicken, and he held them so he thought he could get them dropped into the to a can fast enough so they wouldn't go off in his fingers. The first one blew. By the time the other five blew. He had no skin on any of his fingers. It blew everything, all, all the skin off those three fingers. If he hadn't lit it, nothing would have happened to his fingers. Right? A mountain can't be blown up until you light the fuse. And it makes contact with the gunpowder. The Holy Ghost can't do anything in us and through us till it is operating in us and through us. Amen. I must have a relationship operating and flowing in the Holy Ghost, not just part-time when I feel like it. I've got to have a full-time, faithful, committed, sold-out mentality that I'm going to serve God. And I want the Holy Ghost to dwell in me so that I can do what God wants me to do. I want the power that God has for me. You know, I, I've never... It's funny. It's not funny, ha-ha. But it's funny that people go, I don't believe you need the Holy Ghost. But well, why wouldn't you want the Holy Ghost? If he tells you, if he tells you that it's in there for you, man, I don't know about you, but I want the power. I don't want just the word in me. I want word and power, right? Because the only way I can be a good witness is to have the power to keep me from failing at witness, being a witness. Because without the Holy Ghost, that's why you got people backsliding. They have no relationship, no Holy Ghost in them, and that's why they start looking at Mr. Him and Mrs. Her and going, whoa, she better looking than my wife. And they step out on them. 
And then that's why you got marriages falling apart every time you turn around because the Holy Ghost is not operating in it. You can't operate on just showing up to church every once in a while. You can't be a good wife or a good husband, good mother, good father without the Lord. I know there's good mothers and there's good fathers, but you need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what keeps me balanced. Not to get overreactive with the belt, right? Oh, y'all didn't know what, you know, I disciplined. <laughs> y'all may have not disciplined, I disciplined. Right? But with the Holy Ghost, I was not aggressive over angry. People beat with anger. They act out in anger. With the Holy Ghost, you go, it, hurt. it does hurt when you say it hurts me more than it hurt you. You know? I don't really want to hit you, you know? And it's like, what? And they screaming, ah! Ah, you just, ah! No, don't do that. I'm sure they'll catch that one. I'll look like, uh, anyway. But, but as long as it sits in the box in the storage room, it cannot be effective. That piece of dynamite cannot be effective. Amen. You can have the spirit potential of an atomic bomb, but if you never witness, teach a Bible study, or win souls, or pray around the altar, or are faithful to the house of God, you'll have no reaction, no power. And we need that. The power is in the inner man. This is the spiritual part of man where God dwells and works. The inner man is dead until he is saved. Ephesians 2.1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The inner man can. This is what the inner man can. See, Psalms 119.18, Open thou mine eyes that I may see may behold wondrous things out of thy law Two, hear matthew 13 9 who hath an ear to hear let him hear taste number three psalms 34 8 oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is a man that trusteth in him Four, feel that's in touch acts 17 27 that they should seek the lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. Man, I can't believe them minutes went so fast. But the inner man must be cleansed. The inner man must be cleansed. Psalms 51, 7, I saw it up there. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Acts 2.38, as I said earlier, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for they read what? The remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen, that's how you become cleansed. Through repentance, through baptism in Jesus' name, through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Fed, Matthew 4.4, 4, but he answered, and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Not pastor's word, God's word. Amen. Don't get caught up. Too many people get caught up as Bible, uh, Bible scholars, but they don't live by the whole word of God. They pick and choose through the word of God where they're going to go, how they're going to serve, how they're going to witness, who they're going to be. Even when the outer man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed spiritually. The inner man contains the power of the Holy Spirit, which makes the outer man 
strong and successful. And I am closing. You see, this power is according to God's riches. Paul says for us to be strengthened according to the riches of his glory. This power is not something you have to work up, conjure up. It has been sent down. It is not something we muster up or that we, 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 we come together and go, oh. Something that he already has given you through the Holy Ghost. This power is not out of his riches, but according to his riches. This makes it greater and worth more. Example, if I was a billionaire... If I was a billionaire and I was to give you $10, I would be giving you something of my riches. Right? But if on the other hand, as a billionaire, I would give you $100 million, I would be giving you according to my riches. And that is the way the Lord is operating. When he fills you with the Holy Ghost, you're now operating on what he has gifted you to operate in his riches, his glory, not nothing you have, not nothing you've ever earned, but all that he has given you. The first is the portion, right? The first is $10 is just a portion of it. But the second is a proportion, a proportion. And so God gives us power according to his riches. In coming down, winding down, Christian disciples who are growing and maturing develop a great spiritual power. The praise of the faithful disciple, verse 20 through 21. We're not going to end right on time, but we're going to end. And I'm going to finish this lesson. The Bible said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Verse 21, unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Here is the purpose, the essence, the reason for the Lord and what he does. Here is the reason he gives you spiritual power. Not so we can do things that bring us acclaim and notoriety and glory but that he might be glorified. That he might be praised and worshiped for it. Right? If ever I, if ever I knew of anybody ever being prayed, that I ever prayed for that was healed. I'm grateful that no one has ever said, man, you laid hands on me and God healed me. Only because I wouldn't want it to mess with my head. Right? I mean, if all of us pray, that's why I call people up to pray. Because no one knows who that healer might be, right? The gifted one. So when all of us are laying hands on it, all I can say is to God be the glory. Right? Because it wasn't just Ty Tyler that went over and laid hands. Yeah. It was Tyler and Pastor and Aaron, uh, Brother Aaron, right? It was, it was maybe Tyler and Sister Marlene or, and Sister Kiesha. Maybe it was three or four people that laid hands. You know why I bring people with me? Because... I want faith. One, I want faith. The Bible said where there are two or three gathered together in his name, there will I be in the midst. So I bring people, right? I bring a group in because when I pray, I'm praying for business. I'm praying for healing. Amen. I didn't come just to pray and lose out my breath and, and just say a couple of words. I come to see signs 
I come to see wonders. I come to see miracles. Miracles, Brother Johnson. Paul taught us, taught us to do two things. Always give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of, the God, uh, will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanksgiving is a thanking God for what he does. Always give praise. Praise is worshiping and blessing God for who he is. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6 says, Having pre predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted and beloved. God has predestined us. Predestined us to praise, to the praise of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable or accepted to his beloved. Just as Paul ends his prayer with the doxology, and, and, and that's an expression of praise to God and of prayer, we too are to follow his example. God praises, God's praise is to come through the church. And who's the church? Everyone sitting here, not this building, not the pews, not the carpet, not the walls. The church is everyone sitting in the, that's here tonight. That's the church. Unto him be the glory in the church. The church has been ordained to be the initiation or institution that brings glory and praise to God here on earth. When the church comes together, it is responsible to give praise to God. In everything we do as a church, our ultimate purpose and goal must be to see that God is praised and given glory and honor through all of us. Whenever we assemble to worship, our services should be filled with praise. And we got a great praise team, great musicians. The praise is to never end from the body. It should never be just one voice singing. It should be the body singing. Right? When, when Sister Tyler and uh, Sister Tammy and Sister Min, uh, Mendez and Tiana and, and uh, Josh and Aaron. Did I say you? Okay. When they're singing, we're not supposed to sit there and just go, oh, man. And when Sister Colleen was up there, go, oh, wow, you know, they, they just sing so beautiful. That's not worship. They're getting their worship on, and I'm getting entertained because I'm not participating. And I need to participate. This is a phrase Paul made up. It is found nowhere else in the Greek literature. It is a highly emotional expression that our praise and glory to God should never, never end. So I have to ask you, are you filled with praise tonight? Are you desiring, you can stand with me, are you desiring to glorify God in everything you say or do? You see, the faithful disciple is a person of praise. Despite what my wife is doing, Despite what my husband's doing, well, her husband would be doing. Let me make that right. Despite what my children are doing. Despite what's going on on my job. 
despite whether I'm able to make the next bill, payment on this next bill, whether I got money in the bank, whether I'm sick, whether I'm not sick, whether I'm, I have clothes or shoes with holes or not holes. Indianapolis has more probably homeless people than I've ever seen any city have. All ages. And they could be rich if they would know, if they're well enough to know that their trust should be not in begging, but worshiping and praising God. How much riches, they could come up out of the covers, they could come out of living on the street. I know some of them have mental problems, and that's why they've ended up there. Major things has happened to them, I get that. But what if? What if the shadow, as Paul's shadow, passed over them and they were healed? Paul was a man who was faithful to God, to God's call and purpose for his life. I want to be faithful to God for the call on my life and for his purpose. I want to follow his example. I want to follow the example Paul left me to follow the Lord as a disciple, to be committed as a disciple. He taught us these one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five things. He taught us this, that the price of a faithful servant, a faithful disciple, there's a price to being a faithful disciple. He taught us that prayer of a faithful disciple, that that's a faithful disciple that prays. He taught us the position of a faithful disciple, humbly, coming before God, humbly before their brothers and their sisters, right? He taught us the position of a faithful disciple, the power of a faithful disciple, and the praise of a faithful disciple. Not always easy to come in here on a Sunday if you've had a bad Monday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday to come in and maybe always run the aisles or maybe always lift your hands. I know that. But what I will tell you that even if I've had a bad week, I have found myself, this is just myself, that when I have said, God, I, I just don't want to keep going. I don't want to keep doing this. You're greater than what my problem is. You're greater than my situation. You're greater than the circumstances. So God, whether I die, whether I live, whether I keep my clothes, whether I lose my clothes, whether I keep my house, whether I keep, whether I keep my cars, God, I, 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 got, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be in your presence. I want to walk with you today and, and, and whatever comes tomorrow, I just want you. I need you more than I need anything else in this world. I need you. I, I, I can't survive without you. Right? I want to be a disciple of yours. I want, to, I want to be known. I want the devil to know who I am. I don't want him to look at me and go, I know who Colleen is, Sister Colleen, and I know who Bishop is, but who are you? Well, I'm Alan Reynolds. I don't know you. I want him to know who I am. I want him to know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and that I will fight you with the name of Jesus, that I will bury you with the name of Jesus, 
I will cry to my, I will keep crying out the name of Jesus. Anyway. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be better than I've ever been. I pray that these last two lessons, the past two weeks, have been something that will um, encourage, spark, maybe even make you angry so you will be a good disciple. I, I don't know what to say. I, I, I'm just hoping it does something to us to start stirring up some things because I need to be a good disciple of Christ. I want to see souls saved. I, I, I don't feel like we have long before Jesus returns and there's too many people too many people that are going to die and go to hell and I don't want them to go to hell I just don't want them to go to hell I thank you for being with us online thank you for being with us in the house of God worship with us as we sing when they finish worshiping service is over we love you we'll see you Sunday morning we have a special speaker you won't want to miss it he's our former home missions and North American missions director uh, who will be with us on Sunday morning, Brother John Overton. God bless you. Have a great evening. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My hope is built on nothing Yeah.